This program is a part of the Full Press Radio Network. Find this and all of Full Press Coverage's shows on fullpressradio.com or free on the Full Press Coverage app, available now on the Apple and Google Play stores. Hey, this is Rondé Barber. You're listening to Ira, I think that's his name, and Clark on the iTest for Two. Welcome to the second installment of this week's I Test for Two podcast. I'm Clark Judge. I'm Ira Kaufman. And as I hope you know by now, we're both Hall of Fame voters recovering from that near nine-hour class of 2021 session. And we're joined, as always, by Hall of Fame producer, Mr. Ian Glendon. But Ira, why stop there? Because today we're also joined by a special guest for this weekend's conference championship games, none other than Mr. Anthony Booger McFarlane. Now, Ira, I know you know him from his days with the Tampa Bay Bucks. Booger was a first round pick of Tampa Bay and he stayed with that team until 2006. When his coach with the Bucks, that would be friend of the show, Mr. Tony Dungy, brought him to Indianapolis in a trade and he won a Super Bowl there. He won a Super Bowl in Tampa too. And now, well, now he is a star of ESPN broadcast. Booger, Thanks so much for joining us. And just to make sure we get things straight here, on behalf of my colleagues here from Tampa, it's, it's okay. You're free to guarantee a Bucks win at any time during this broadcast. <laughs> well, I'm not going to guarantee any win, uh, number one. Uh, what I will say is all four teams that are left uh, have an, a, a great opportunity to play for a championship, something that I've done twice. And so it's no guarantee that you're going to get back here. So they better take full advantage of it. Anthony, uh, thanks for doing this, my friend. Um, and congratulations, Anthony, on, on a very successful second career in the broadcasting booth. Are you enjoying it? Yeah, it's fun, Ira. You know, it's amazing. You know, since I've been doing this broadcasting thing, I've done a myriad of things from uh, studio to call college games, to call NFL games, to uh, radio. So I, I'm enjoying it. Uh, all of it's fun because I get a chance to talk football. And to me, that's the most fun part about it. You talk football, you educate people, you have fun. Hopefully when you watch me, you see the same guy that you saw, maybe a little bit more laughter, a little bit more colorful than when you covered me when I was playing. <laughs> Anthony, uh, looking ahead to uh, Sunday, uh, first things first, Booger, uh, Bucks at Green Bay. Now, Anthony, you know me and, and I do my research, my friend. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to check your memory. And Mr. McFarland, 20 years ago, on the day before Christmas, you and your Bucks went into Lambeau. Yeah. Booger, it was 15 degrees. The wind chill was minus 15. Yeah. Minus 15. Yeah. You lost the damn game 17-14 in overtime. Grammatica missed a 40-yarder that could have won yeah. it. 
and he cost you a first-round bite. So, Anthony, here's my question. For those that don't know what it's like, and we don't know, you know, it might be 25 in Lambeau, but it's going to be cold. Anthony, I'm not saying it's going to affect Brady, but from a player perspective, Anthony, Lambeau, wintertime, what's it like? Well, uh, first of all, the, the cold weather is really not what bothers the athletes. Like, well, we're used to dealing with cold weather. I mean, it was minus 15 that day, wind chill, but the sun was out, but there was no wind. If, if, if no to very minimal wind. That's the key. As long as the wind is not blowing 20 miles an hour, it really doesn't matter if it's 25 degrees or 40, like it's all going to feel the same. And, and so the key to it, obviously, make sure you, you can stay dry. So you, you want some dry socks. You want to take, uh, obviously, all the precautions of drinking warm stuff, et cetera, et cetera. But more than anything, it's trying to keep your feet and your hands as warm as possible. The rest of your body is going to stay warm because you're going to be moving around. But it's just those extremities that can get a chance, that can get a little, uh, a little cool. So a prime example, I never was a glove guy. So me and like Sap talked me into it years ago. Hey, just tape your hands up like a box so you don't have to wear gloves. But in the game in, in Green Bay or Chicago, I would wear gloves and I would be fine. So it's just a matter of keeping the hands and toes as warm as possible and trying to stay as dry. But the key will be the wind. If the wind doesn't blow, but maybe five or 10 miles an hour, weather won't be a factor at all. Anthony, in terms of this matchup, you 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 saw the week six matchup. Uh, Packers ahead 10-0. Pick six turned the whole game around, and it was all Bucks. Booger, in your mind, was that an aberration, or was it an indication that the Bucks match up particularly well with the NFC number one seed? Well, I think it was a a... a, a kind of a, 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 a clue into if the Bucks play well and the Packers don't, what you could see at that time. I don't think it, it's going to tell you much about what's going to happen Sunday. Now, you know, true, these two teams have played before. I think the only thing you take away from it is if you're Donovan Smith, you know what going against Zadarius Smith is like. Like you, like you know what he's, you know what his power feels like. You know what his speed feels like. But these two teams are playing totally different now. It's going to depend on our who can show up and play their best on Sunday, uh, who can minimize turnovers, as we saw in the playoff game against the Saints. Turnovers are going to be a key. Who can minimize it goes a long way towards winning. I think at the end of the day, though, the game can be boiled down to this: the Bucks don't have great one-on-one -on -one rushers. You remember back in the day, we could line up Simeon Rice and Warren Sapp and they could beat one-on-one -on -one pressure or, or beat one-on-one -on -one blocking. The Bucs don't have that. So Todd Bowles has to create pressure through his blitz scheme. At that point, usually uh, he's playing man-to-man -man on the back end. So now can you hold up? Can Murphy Bunning, can Davis, can Dean, can they hold up in man coverage against Valdez Scantling, against Lazard, against Devontae Adams before Aaron Rodgers can get the ball out under pressure. If they can, then the Bucs, they're going to minimize how many points the Packers are going to score. Tampa's going to score points. So the Bucs can win this game 17 to 14. I think if Green Bay is going to win this game, it's going to have to be 38-35 because the Bucs are going to score points. The Packers defense is not great. You can run on them. Uh, I think their secondary is their strength. However, their underneath coverage and their linebackers can be had. So the game, in my opinion, boils down to can the Buccaneers defense hold up 
when Todd Bowles decided to bring pressure against Aaron Rodgers. We're speaking with Anthony Booger McFarland here on the eye test for two. And Booger, let's just cut to the chase. Who are you liking this game? You know what? Um, uh, of course, I'm a little biased. I'm going with Tampa. Uh, I think Tom Brady is, is, is the, the key to a team that was talented enough last year to go deep in the postseason, but they didn't get that opportunity. So now you have a defense that's a year older, that's starting to play its best football, the weapons on the outside. You know, a lot of people made a lot of, made, made a lot of stink about Gronk and A.B. It's amazing when you go back to the game the other day, it was the old faithful. It was Scotty Miller. It was the new draft pick in, in, in Johnson. It was Mike Evans. It was the guys that have been here a long time making the plays last Sunday. Now, that doesn't mean you're not going to need something from Gronk and A.B. this week. But I just think that Tom Brady has been the, the decisive factor for a team that's been talented enough to get to this point. He puts them over the hump this year. Let me ask you this, because we've been kicking this around in here in the past couple of weeks. We feel that they're just getting this far means essentially they're playing with house money at this point. I mean, nobody yeah, I disagree. thought. Disagree. Okay, go ahead. Why? Yeah, well, because when you say they're playing with house money, meaning the expectation was to get this far. When you get Tom Brady and you couple him with Gronk and A.B. and Mike Evans and Godwin and everybody that they got, you're not making those moves to say, let's get close. You're making those moves to see if we can win it all. So, no, nah, it's not icing on the cake. To me, if they don't win Sunday, it's going to be a failure. And they'll, they'll treat us that. Right. Booger, I got a question about Aaron Rodgers. I'm I, I way out of, out of course on this one. You tell me. But I call him the greatest front runner, uh, you know, we ever seen. Oh, but, but hold on, Booger. By that I mean, and I'm looking at that Week Six game in particular, but I've seen it before. Anthony, when things go wrong, when they go awry for Rogers, protection's not what he wants. Guys drop balls, miss assignments. I, I don't. I don't think he's a great leader at that point. Not like Brady is, Booger. When things go wrong, he he can go sideways a little bit. Yeah, well, I, I mean, everybody has their personality. So if, if, if his personality and his body language looks a little bit like that when things are going bad, I'm not going to criticize him for that. He's one of the all-time great quarterbacks, and he wants to win. I know from a competitive standpoint, he is as good as there is. And if his frustration is kind of shown in a negative way when things aren't going well, so be it. And then that's kind of a message to everyone else. And uh, he, he's as good as there is our, and it says something when you can be the runaway MVP winner in the Patrick Mahomes era, that tells you a lot about the quarterback in Green Bay. Booger, one point I want to make about uh, game two, which is Buffalo uh, at Arrowhead. Mm -hmm. um, Anthony, you know, I've been watching the Chiefs a long time. I go back to the Len Dawson days when he was smoking a cigarette, Booger, yeah. at halftime of the Super Bowl. You saw that picture. And, yeah. Anthony, here's what I got to say about the Chiefs. With all the attention on Tyreek Hill, and, boy, he's made a lot of strides as a wide receiver. I give him a ton of credit. But, Booger, the guy that, uh, that, that stirs the drink is Kelsey. Kelsey is the guy, Anthony. He's the guy on third and eight. He's the chain mover. He's a fantastic route runner in terms of getting open. And Anthony, how do you deal with a Travis Kelsey from a defensive standpoint? Well, you know, this almost reminds me of when teams used to go against the, the greatest show on turf. 
and Marshall Falk was the key to the offense. And Monty Kiffin would always tell us as a defensive line, anytime you got next to Marshall Falk, hit it, bang it. Don't allow him to ease his way out in, into the into the route, in, into the pattern. And so I think Kelsey is the same way, man. Like, you got to get physical with these dudes. Yeah, he's a great athlete. He's a tremendous route runner. But he starts at the line of scrimmage. And when he starts in there, bang it, okay? Uh, press him. Get up in his face. Make it physical. Because you know what that does? That takes time away from him getting into the, his pattern. Now you got to be able to get some pressure inside from the interior. I think you bang Kelsey with your defensive ends or your nickelback, whoever checking him. And you got to be able to have some defensive tackles that can win because ultimately it comes down to this. The easiest way, the easiest place to throw the football is the middle of the field, right in front of the quarterback. That's where Kelsey is most of the time. So you're right. He is the straw that stirs the drink. And the only way to take him away is if you go back to what Bill Belichick did a couple years ago, Belichick, he picked critical downs in critical situations and he doubled Hilsey, excuse me, Kelsey and Hill. When you, when you can identify what those critical moments are, then you can do that. And I think you got to be able to strategically mix it up, banging, jamming, doubling, making life tough on them. Because guess what? If you allow them to free release, these dudes are just way, way too good. They'll eat you alive. Booger, I know you're no medical expert, but do you expect Mahomes to play? They're going to find a doctor, even if, he, if he's from Russia, clear my homes. It doesn't matter. He will be on the field. Now, you know what, guys, seriously, you know, the NFL put this protocol in place for, for moments like this. And the Kansas City Chiefs doctors have no say in this. Right. It's an independent medical doctor. It's a protocol. And if he plays, it's going to be because the NFL's protocol has been cleared. I fully expect him to play. I think it would it would be a shock in the sports world if Mahomes didn't play on the most important or the second most important Sunday of the season. I mentioned that we had Tony Dungy on the show, and we did. I think he was on our opening program back in the fall. We asked him about defending Mahomes, and he said, you can defend him and you can beat him, but you've got to do it one way. You rush three or four guys, period. You put the pressure on three or four guys. You can't blitz him because he'll kill you. You agree with that? I agree. Uh, I would even take it a step further. You can blitz him, but you got a zone blitz him, meaning you have to bring what we call simulated pressure. So it may feel like a blitz or look like a blitz, but when you count the number of guys coming, it's only three or four. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I agree with Tony. You, you can't bring five, six or seven guys against this young man, but you got to be able to have guys that can win one-on-one -on -one rushes. And most teams don't have that. Most teams don't have uh, two guys, let alone one guy that can get it done. And so, I think at the end of the day, you, you know, if, if you look at this game against Buffalo and you say, OK, can Buffalo get there? That means Ed Oliver is going to have to have a day. That means Jerry Hughes is going to have to have a day where they get pressure winning their one on one battles. And it, 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 there just aren't many dominant guys one on one, especially in this league. More importantly, teams don't have that. Like the Rams have Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd. I think the Rams would give the Chiefs trouble because of the, the way their defense is built. It's speed. It's one-on-one -on -one rush. But guess what? They, they didn't hold up against the run against Green Bay, so they're out of the tournament. And so Tony's right. Three or four rushers getting after the quarterback, that's the way to go. But that's always been the way to go. You know, they're, they're mm -hmm. like that's nothing new under the sun. Right. Sounds like you like the Chiefs in this game. Well, I don't know who's, who's taking the bills. Here's what I would say. If there's a team that feels confident that they can beat them, it's the Bills. They've played them once this year. 
they felt what their speed feels like. Okay. Josh Allen played the worst game of his season and they still, it was 26, 17 and they had the ball with two minutes left and they threw a pick. So if you're Sean McDermott, you show that film to your, your team and you say, Hey guys, we felt what it feels like to be in the ring with Mike Tyson. He didn't knock us out. Now we didn't win, but he didn't knock us out. So let's go back and let's learn from him. And we feel like strategically we can throw a couple of haymakers in there and get some punches in ourselves. Anthony, one more from me. We really appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, Anthony, on a ser- serious note, uh, I'm interested in your take about uh, the diversity or the lack thereof, Anthony, in the coaching ranks with the vacancies. We're 0 for 5. We could end up 0 for 7. Uh, nothing seems to change, Booger. Uh, what can we do to uh, speed this process up? Well, I, I, I don't think there's nothing you can do because you're ultimately dealing with 31 owners and then Green Bay, who's a publicly traded company. Um, they are, you have 31 billionaires and they're deciding what they want to do with their money. And until you can change them or give them good enough reasons in their mind to change, they're going to continue to do what's made them successful, which is do, do what they want to do. And so we can come up with so many different committees and diversity and the Fritz Pollard Alliance and, and the Rooney Rule and Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell are doing every freaking thing they can. But ultimately, Ira, are you going to tell Jerry Jones, hey, Jerry, here's who you got to hire? Are you going to tell Arthur Blank who you got? Like, these, these guys are billionaires. They are, they are the top 1% in the world. And we are trying to tell them what to do with their company. It's not right. Uh, it's disgusting, especially when a league is 70% black and a lot of this money that you are accumulating is made off the black player and black assistant coaches, but yet they aren't good enough to run the company. It's disappointing. I don't know if it'll change. Um, people a lot smarter than me have tried to come up with different things to make it change and it still hasn't changed yet. Anthony, would it help to get more minorities in coordinator positions? Would that affect it at okay, all? Okay, they, but they've changed. They've already tried that. I mean, they keep moving the moving the goalposts. Before it was coordinators, then you start hiring Joe Judges of the world, and and now it's okay. We want guys who are CEO like. So every time you move the move the goalposts, I think something else is going to become the new it thing. You're right. A few years ago, it was coordinator. That's changed now. Like nobody's talking about coordinators anymore. It's about, uh, you know, can you be a quarterback guru? So no longer do you have to be a coordinator. You just need to be a quarterback guy. Or now it's, can you be a leader of men? Dan Kimball got a job. He hadn't called plays or anything. He's just, I mean, for all intents and purposes, he's going to be a master motivator. So like who knew you could just motivate? And then I'm not saying that Dan Campbell's not a great coach, because by all intents and purposes, Sean Payton says he's a phenomenal coach. But if you just look at the trajectory of people who have become head coaches, you wouldn't say Dan Campbell would have been next in line. And so I don't know what you do, Ira. Um, I just think if you're a coach, you got to be the best coach you can be. And hopefully an owner pays attention and gives you an opportunity. We're speaking with Anthony Booger McFarland here on the I Test for Two. And Booger, I've got a couple last ones as well. You're 43 years old, correct? Yep. Well, so is Tom Brady, and he's still playing. He's one game away from the Super Bowl. You've played against him. How do you explain his continued success, and what makes this guy 
extraordinary and going at the age of 43. Supremely healthy. He plays a position that some Sundays he doesn't get hit. And so he, he can play the quarterback position, can have longevity based on all of that. Like he's got five guys that are blocking for him, making sure he doesn't get hit. So there's some Sundays where his body, I mean, he could literally play with no pads on. Um, he's taking great care of himself that way when he does uh, get hit in his body and he can perform and his athletic ability is as good as it can be. And then on top of that, I, I think he's one of the smartest players the game has ever seen. You know, he understands how to make quick decisions. He doesn't hold on to the football. Um, Tom Brady is as mentally gifted as Aaron Donald is physically gifted, if that makes sense, because he, he's mastered the art of the position from the neck up. And because of that, he can play for another three, four years if he wants to. I don't think he will, but he can if he wants to. Yeah, I didn't think he'd play till he's 45 either. <laughs> he's pretty close to 44. He's closing in on that this year. Exactly. Um, now, now the clincher. You played against him. You played with Peyton. You got one game to go, one game to win. Which one are you taking? Well, if, if, you're, if you're giving me Peyton in his prime, Brady in his prime, I'm going to always take Peyton. And he, here's the reason why. I think Peyton Manning was asked to do more, and he took more on his shoulders himself than Tom Brady has ever done. I don't think Peyton ever had a dominant defense. There was a point in his career where Brady had that. Brady's won Super Bowls a lot of different ways. The only way that Peyton won in Indy was with a great offense. Even when I was up there, we still won with offense. Yeah, defense, we made timely stops. Now, when he went to Denver, they were winning more with defense in Denver, and the and Peyton would get a drive here and there. But Pete, Peyton Manning, Pete Tom Brady, I'm going to take 18, man. And I lied when I said a couple. I've got one more. Philip Rivers retired this week um, and, and had a great career, 17 years. You played against him as well. Uh, and I think you played against a Philip Rivers in the uh, 2007 playoffs where he tore his knee ligaments and, and continued yeah. to play. And he continued to play the next week. Do you have a favorite story about him? You know what? I, I didn't play a whole lot with, uh, or excuse me, against Philip Rivers. I just admired how he carried himself. You know, much like Tony Dungy kind of distinguished himself with how he approached and carried himself within the game of football, within a violent sport, within a, a, a mostly vulgar sport. Um, Philip Rivers stayed true to who he is. Um, he, he's a man of faith. He's got a lot of kids. He didn't cuss. He says that gummit all the time. Um, <laughs> and he was able to play and do the, do the job his way. And so I've always admired guys that didn't conform to their surroundings in order to achieve a certain status. And Tony Dungy did that, and so did Philip Rivers. Brooke McFarland, thanks so much for the time, and good luck with those Tampa Bay Bucks this weekend. Appreciate Anytime, it. Anytime, fellas. Y'all have a good one. You too. Thanks, Anthony. Thanks. Yes, sir. That was ESPN's Anthony Booger McFarland. And Ira, um, you good with those predictions? You like the Bucks and the Chiefs as well? I'll tell you what. I mean, he is so articulate. He's, He's off the charts. Yep. He, 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 you know, he thinks fast on his feet and always has been a great quote, and he continues to be. Well, Ira, I, I know we weren't planning on doing our I Was There segment this week. I'm not sure if they're cheering for Booger McFarland. He should be. He made our all-interview team. 
Um, but those fans got me in the mood when I heard that. They just got me in the mood. So I got to go back, Ira. And where were you, Clark? Where, where were you? Where <laughs> well, were you? <laughs> you ask, I will answer. In observance of your Hall of Fame presentations this week, and the presence of Anthony Booger McFarlane on this broadcast, I take you back to the vet in Philadelphia, date January 19th, 2003, event, the 2002 NFC Championship game. The teams, your Bucks, Ian Glendon's Bucks too now, and the Philadelphia Eagles. The score, 20 to 10, Tampa, but the Eagles driving late when this happened with just over three minutes left. Donovan McNabb, it's first and goal. That's picked off. That's picked off. And who else? Rondé Barber. All the way, untouched, down the field. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. Final score, Tampa Bay 27. Eagles, 10. Ira, that Rondé Barber touchdown was so good, it not only sent the Bucks to the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 37, which they won, it shut down the vet. And I mean for good. <laughs> and he was the best player on the field that day, Clark. He, he was. was from start to finish. And Clark, with about five, six minutes left, they let us down on the field from the press box. So I'm on the Bucks sideline, and the Buck players are turning around after Barber's pick. <laughs> and the game and the game was clinched and they're screaming at the Eagle fans. We shut down the vet. How do you like them apples? I mean, it was unbelievable what was going on on the sidelines. Was Booger McFarlane one of them? Uh, he absolutely was. I, I wanted to climb on his shoulders. I wanted a piece of those fans, too. I don't think you do. You've seen those fans. No one <laughs> wants a piece of those fans. OK, Ira, final thoughts. Final thoughts. Um. Fantastic final four, Clark. Fantastic final four. Two live underdogs. Clark, three-point games. Three-point favorites. Anybody's game. The biggest disappointment, Clark, would be if Pat Mahomes doesn't play. That would be a giant, uh, you know, taking the air out of the balloon. I don't see that happening, Clark. I don't I neither. It. Either is Booger, and I agree with Booger. They'll find somebody to clear him. Somebody's going to clear him. They want him game where he came on sad one uh ted thompson you remember ted jim of the general uh, green bay packers passed away last night um he was a good general manager and a nice guy always enjoyed dealing with him ted was 68 years old uh, very good at his job clark very good, at his, good at his job and so are you and so is booger and ira that's going to do it ira where can they find you on twitter at i kaufman 76 my friend ian at iglen 31 and i'm at at clark judge T-O-F. You can find us there. And if you don't, we're going to find you right here next week on the I Test for Two. Thanks for listening.